0: We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with James Favel, Jesse Lee, and Larry Morissette. Winnipeg is home to the largest urban concentration of Indigenous people of any city in Canada. Many indigenous residents of Winnipeg live in the neighborhoods of the city's North End. The combination of the social pressures that are producing ever more intense poverty in every city in this neoliberal age, with the half-millennium-old and still strong forces of colonialism, mean that these neighborhoods and many of their residents face some pretty steep challenges. James Favell lives in the North End. In 2010, he got involved in his local residents' association, and as he became more and more involved in the community, he felt more and more strongly that they needed to do something concrete, immediate, and direct to create a way for folks in the neighborhood to support and look out for each other. He and others had been talking about different models of community safety patrols, but they just weren't comfortable with the mainstream approach to doing that, which gave the police and other elements of the state a say in who could be involved and how it would work. Instead, they looked back to a group that existed in the community in the 1990s, grounded in traditional indigenous practices and models of governance, called the Bear Clan Patrol. The tipping point for him was that tragic day in 2014, when the body of Tina Fontaine, a missing Anishinaabe girl, was retrieved from the Red River. He happened to mention the idea of reviving the Bear Clan in a television interview that day, and from that point on, the process took off. The core activity of the Bear Clan patrol is the street patrols they do four evenings a week. The aim while they're out is to engage with whomever they encounter, to offer practical supports, from scarves to coffee, from a kind word to condoms, and to build relationships. They create safety just by being present and visible and engaged. They try to be an avenue through which people can find other kinds of resources and supports they need, and to be a catalyst to help regrow the kinds of organic connections among people that poverty and colonialism have done so much to undermine. The name Bear Clan Patrol comes from one of the clans in traditional governance systems in that part of the continent. Different clans had different responsibilities, and one of the responsibilities of the Bear Clan was protection. And with the grounding in traditional practices and values, the emphasis is that everyone is part of the community and deserves safety and support, including not only homeowners, as is so often the case with neighborhood patrols in white-majority and middle-class neighborhoods, but also homeless people, sex workers, people struggling with addictions, and everyone else. Though they have a good working relationship with the police and the city government, they are autonomous, and their aim is to find ways to intervene in community issues before the police or the child welfare system, or other systems that have historically taken a toll on indigenous peoples, have reason to act. The patrol is governed by a clan council, and also engages in other kinds of community building work. Favel is one of the coordinators of the new version of the Bear Clan Patrol. Jesse Lee is the Community Development Coordinator for the Dufferin Neighborhood in Winnipeg's North End and is also involved in coordinating the patrol. And Larry Morissette was involved with the original Bear Clan and is a contributing elder with the Bear Clan today. They speak with me about Winnipeg's North End and about the work of the Bear Clan. We spoke by Skype to phone from Winnipeg.
1: I'm James Fable. I'm the Chairman for the Dufferin Residents Association. I'm one of the coordinators with the Bear Clan, and I live and work and volunteer here in the Dufferin community. I've had a kind of a checkered past, and when I got a little older and I started straightening my life out, I bought property here in the North End, and I've been working to put out some of the fires that I, I've seen in my community. I joined up with the Dufferin Residents Association probably 2010. And it's been a, a natural progression. The Dufferin Residents Association now we have Bear Clan and we have another linker group called uh, Dufferin Youth. We've got a good group of people together that are working together to make improvements, tangible improvements in our community, and it's starting to work.
2: My name is Jessie Lee. I'm the Community Development Coordinator for the Dufferin area in Winnipeg's North End, and I'm also assisting James in the coordination of the Bear Clan. I've worked in the North End community, community community development for over a decade. And through my work in Duffin, I came to King James, who's the chair, like you said. And then Bear clan was a natural next step after, I guess, when it came upon pain. came upon Yeah, the, just a sort of community reaction to that. And I had the benefit of having Larry as a professor at the University of Winnipeg, where I also attend school. So I was able to connect James and Larry. And then from there, the Bear Clan has made quite the comeback.
3: And I'm Larry Morfitt. I'm one of the original founders of Bear Clan back in the 90s. I grew up in Northland. I went to school here and then came back and we worked on a lot of different social movements that looked at providing support or support wasn't there. And the Bear Clan was one of the things that grew from that. It was around a time in which there was no zero tolerance towards abuse of women. It was pretty rampant in the communities. Like, women were really unprotected, children were unprotected, and we decided to do something about it. At that point, on Suffolk Avenue here, you could walk by and you could punch a window of one of the stores and the cops would be here in five minutes. And if you were a woman at home getting beaten up, you'd be lucky if the cops ever came at all. So that's kind of the thing that, that we we sort of drew upon. You know? So
0: before we talk more about the Bear Clan itself, tell me a bit more about the neighbourhood.
2: I don't think the Bear Clan is exclusive to the Dufferin community, but for the Dufferin community, the boundaries are the tracks to Selkirk Avenue and then Salter to McSillis. And it's one of the two most socially and economically marginalized spaces probably in Canada.
3: If you add the entire city, there's approximately 8,000 Aboriginal people that live in the city of Africa. Which makes it the largest right urban Aboriginal it's center. It's yeah. the
2: fifth largest urban indigenous population in the world in in a Pegmatella.
1: And yeah, I, I think we're about sixty-five to seventy
2: five percent Aboriginal in our community. And that's working off the two thousand six census. Yeah.
0: And Larry, tell me more about the original version of the Bear Clan back in the nineties.
3: Well, as I said, if you came from before the idea of zero tolerance. There was a lot of, well, I can't say it's changed a lot, but there was a lot of abuse, but also, you know, kids were being exploited. If you were a young kid going to school in this area, they would assume that you were for sale. If you were a woman walking through uh, a bus stop, for example, you were assumed to be for sale. So, again, we organized around those kind of things and, and felt, you know, very strongly that there were people coming in from other parts of the city that were heavily, heavily involved in the exploitation of our community, right? And again, what we did is we sat we gave tobacco to elders and we had different youth gatherings and different meetings where the old people would talk and tell us historically what the responsibility of the bear crime was. And there's two as the bear crime represents two things in this area. One is their traditional healers and medicine people, and secondly they're protectors, similar to what we're doing as bear crime. And what it does, it really, really touches home, and it touches it on some ideas that are really, really basic, that you can be part of this whole scene and give something back to the community.
0: How did the recent reemergence of the Bear Clan come about?
1: Tina Fontaine's body was found wrapped in plastic and dumped in our Red River August 17, 2014. And there had been a number of tragic events in the year previous to that, That was the tipping point for myself personally, and I think for the community at large. I'm a trucker by trade, and my truck was in for service that morning. They started to drag the red Bernadette Smith, and I went down there to support the drag the red that morning because I had a couple hours to burn. And when I got there, nobody was there from that, but there was a CBC reporter. And because I was Aboriginal and I showed up on scene, she wanted to ask me some questions about it, thinking that I was associated with it. And given my position with the Dufferin Residents Association, I did have you know some knowledge on it, so I spoke to it a bit, and I mentioned that my wife and I had been discussing trying to bring the bear time patrol back, and I said it out on the news, and Larry heard it, and then again I put the call out to see if we could get a meeting, and it just started, you know. And again, we we wanted to do it the right way, and so we you know we were consulting the police and politicians and things like that, making sure that we were going to be certified to do it, and we got everything that we needed. We moved forward quite rapidly. May twelfth, we had our kickoff pipe ceremony and feast and we had a couple false starts put a patrol out and discovered the things we were doing kind of wrong so we took a step back and regrouped and finally july 13th we had our first real patrol and we've been going steady pretty much ever since four nights a week three hours a, a night and we're making some real changes here
0: and what was the early process like the early meetings and so on
1: we had a dozen people from different areas of the community with different skills and different backgrounds all come together. And we were meeting on just about a weekly basis, trying to hammer out the details of what it was going to look like, who was going to be in charge, who was going to be doing what, and what areas we would cover and the processes and things like that. And the local is siding with us. We've had meetings with even the MLAs, Kevin Chief, the Justice Minister, Gordon McIntosh. A lot of work went into
3: it to get it to go. The community was tired of waiting for some type of response. And it's been really, really positive that the community is taking some steps forward to bring people together in process.
1: Yeah, and that is more or less it, too. You know, you can't always count on the police to be everywhere, so we decided to do for ourselves. And from that has developed a very positive relationship with the Winnipeg Police. We're taking over some of the uh, non-policing issues, some of the sociological issues that need to be addressed in the community. We're doing that so that they don't have to, so that they're free to take care of the, uh, you know, the violent crime and things like that.
0: So it's the evening patrols that are the core activity of the group?
1: Absolutely, yeah. We patrol Thursday through Sunday from 6 till 9. In the summertime, we were suddenly get four or five people on, like, say, a Friday night, and now we're coming up with 15 to 20 people typically are, are coming out on a Friday night. We meet at, there's a local youth pop-in center that has some needs, so we're based out of there now. We gather there, it's just before 6 o'clock, and, you know, everybody gets geared up, and then we head out through the community. We target the area of the community where the girls are being exploited, and we just walk throughout the community. We go into the developments down in North Selford Park, and we just make ourselves visible. It's all about consistent presence and relationship building. When we first started, the street-involved women wanted nothing to do with us. They ran away from us. They would swear at us, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now they're coming to us so because we always give them, like, we bring scarves and tubes and gloves and coffee and condoms and sandwiches and donuts. We come bearing gifts and they're responding to us now. And, you know, they're giving us bad date reports. They're telling us who's around and things like that. It's, it's growing. It's developing into something really very positive. And beyond that, what I'm finding is that it's not just the people that we're encountering in the streets. It's also the people that come up to patrol with us. A lot of those people have their own issues that are coming up to support and I'm seeing it build up the people that we're working with. For instance, my daughter, she left home five years ago because she was sick of being badgered on the street, walking to and from the bus stop and things like that. Now she's one of my patrol members. She comes out and she's actively patrolling. She's taking control over her circumstances and asserting herself in the community. It's building confidence in the community. It's building confidence in the people that are working with us. It's strengthening our community from the inside out.
0: Tell me more about the kinds of encounters and interactions that you have on a typical patrol.
1: It's an unwritten policy that we engage every single person that we come across on the street. In the first round of Bear Clan, they did it mostly from vehicles. There was some foot patrols with vehicles and bicycles and things like that. This generation of Bear Clan, we are committed to being on the ground. We walk, we have a pilot vehicle with us on Friday nights typically, and they carry the coffee and goodies that we bring along with us. But otherwise, we're on the ground, shoulder to shoulder with the people. So when we encounter people on the street, we're saying hello, asking if they need anything. We're giving gloves to just people walking down the street. They look cold, you know. And one of the things that comes out of that is we're able to find these other, you know, uh, there was an instance where there was three young women coming out of the Lord Sucker Park development. And the two older girls were taking a 13-year-old girl. And the long story short is the one girl had planned to essentially sell the uh, the young girl to uh, a 23-year-old male friend of hers you know, for the purposes of sex. And because we interacted with them on the street, we were able to interrupt that. One of the girls had a moment where she broke down and started crying just as they were about to leave. Because we were a large group that evening, and, you know, they were curious about what we were doing, so they'd be engaging for a few moments. And then, yeah, as they were breaking away, the one girl broke down and started crying and saying, you know, they're going to do something bad. I don't want to be part of that. And she told us that one girl was only 13 years old. So we were able to, you know, we called them back. And because we are kind of a force out there, we're taken seriously. And they came back when we asked them to come back. And we were able to find out what was going on and separate the group. And we were able to find the young woman's grandmother or mother. And, and we were able to interrupt that. And that's what happened to Tina Fontaine. She was brought in by older members. of I think it was people that she knew from her family even that brought her to that. You know, and we were able to stop that that day. And, and that's one of my greatest successes. We're out there so much now the people are starting to recognize us. So our membership numbers are growing because they're seeing us out there and they want to be part of it. It makes people feel more comfortable to come out of their house. And it's all about relationship building. And that's what's happening. We're seeing a lot of that. You know, there's a homeless guy. He came to one of our community celebrations and he was abusing solvents and things like that so we couldn't let him into the building where we were at but we brought him food and we fed him like that and then i see him a couple of days later and he was in a state again and he was uh, you know trying to fight with cars in the street so i took him from there and i brought him to the robin's donuts and we got him a sandwich and coffee and things like that and then i saw him again that the following week and i asked him you know are you comfortable being on the street is this what you want and he said no it's not what he wants so you know it builds my capacity because i went out and i found a way to connect him with housing so we've connected him with the doorway Project and things are doing well for him. It's not perfect. I, I hope that we're the last people that have to help him, but I'm not kidding myself. I don't believe that that's the case, but it's an improvement. And that we're doing that case-by-case, person-by-person that we meet up with.
2: There's also other formal organizing that isn't taking place during the patrols, but we just had a meeting with the Winnipeg Police Service earlier this morning and other stakeholders and community members. So from a community development perspective, where is traveling within the communities and there's coordination required there. It's more the role of the clan Council that's overseeing the patrols and of other community organizers that are involved. There's multiple stakeholders in addition to the community that we're looking at building these relationships with. Tell me
0: more about the clan Council and about that organizing that's happening outside of the context of the patrols.
2: The Bear Clan patrols are currently governed by a clan council that oversees that, and there's been requests from other communities to have patrols within their neighbourhoods. So over time, we're looking at bringing all stakeholders to the table, and if there's other communities like Dufferin that are interested in doing that, they will have to create the support network to support their patrols within their community, and building that kind of infrastructure and those relationships that need to be part of that, like you said, politically with stakeholders within the city of Winnipeg, the police service, other community-based organizations, that kind of network. We're definitely working at building that up. There's a number of groups involved at this point. Mm-hmm. And
1: we've had requests for service as far away as Labrador and Kelowna, Saskatoon, Regina.
2: And in Winnipeg, we've the West fence neighborhood. A lot of the neighborhood renewal zones, and um, surprisingly, also St. Patel has its relationships.
0: So I understand from things that I've seen online about the work of the Bear Clan that one of the things that you needed to do in order to get going was to uh, raise some funds. Tell me a bit about that process.
2: As the Community Development Coordinator for the Dufferin Area, I'm in a position where i already assisted the group with fundraising and applications to different funders and stuff. So we were able to carry on in that vein. And also Larry and his organizational PK has assisted in getting some fairly small grants that have been enough to get us off the ground. And we also received some money yeah. from Ross E, a a city councillor, that basically covered the cost associated with the gear necessary to get us going, like we needed t-shirts and vests and things of the sort and jackets, and he was a huge support in that. So we're hoping that that will come again next year. We're coming to the end of the fiscal year, and we have a year of work behind us now, and I'm hoping that support will increase. Based off of the proof of this that the community has seen and that our funders have seen, and that we're not something to fear. I think initially people weren't sure um, what this initiative would look like, and if now they were the really vigilantes. Yeah. And the relationships we've established, I'm hoping, mm-hmm. will allow us to access more funding and allow other communities to follow definitely with that and access funding for themselves to host a patrol in their neighborhood.
1: And also, social media has been a real asset to us. We have a GoFundMe page. It brought in about sixteen or eighteen hundred dollars to date. But our Facebook page, we have on any given day, you know, between twenty and forty thousand people looking at our Facebook page, which is significant when you consider that there's you know between sixteen and eighty thousand Aboriginal people in Winnipeg, and we have between twenty and forty thousand people looking at our Facebook page. Like even today we're at twenty four thousand right now and they're engaged.
0: Where does the group's name come from?
3: It came from an elder named Johnson Blacksmith from Cross Lake, Manitoba. He came down and did a youth and elder workshop and we presented him tobacco, and he spent 12 or 14 hours talking to us about what the Bear Clan was about and basically said to us that this is your responsibility and you have to follow it. So there's a lot of these sort of full-time Indigenous teachings that are in the background of what we do, right? Like Consensus, for example. Well, it was pretty much what the old people told us to do. Like, that we have to work together, right? and you know we have to be on the same page. But that system has been here for thousands of years, and bear clan I mean, and there's a number of other clans as well. There's seven in total. You know, fish clan, you know, wolf clan, deer clan, and the list goes on. But again, they were the ones in the very beginning that would make up the council within traditional times for the community. So they'd all get together and make decisions based upon the gifts they had. And as I said to you, that, that gift of medicine and that gift of protection came from that bear clan, and that's what they added to the council back in the day.
1: And also, as a community group, the Duffin residents Association, we were recording a number of ideas on how we could get some kind of safety control out there. And, and we look at the citizens on patrol program model and things like that. But the problem with those models were that the state wanted to vet and make decisions regarding our membership. And we didn't want that. We are more inclusive. We are accepting of people and their faults, and we're taking everybody on board. I have a criminal background myself, and this is my way of giving back to the community, you know. And we wanted to have control over who is going to stand beside us. And that's why we chose the Bear crime model.
0: And it sounds like, based on what you were saying earlier in the interview, that it's a real priority to meet folks where they're at, if they're struggling with addictions, struggling with other issues, and that that's a real core value of the group. Is that fair to say?
3: Well, it's a core value, but it's also a reality. If we're looking at the issue of village community, we have to include within that concept that as a people we can colonize. And so in understanding the people and the situations, it's also understanding our relationship to our history and where we're at as a people. So we're no better than or lesser than the person that walks on the street. We're just part of a, a whole history of activity that has brought us to this point. And tell me a bit
0: more that puts the work of the Bear Clan in the context of that larger history.
3: Well, the larger history is that we find at the Bear Clan, and we found even historically, people can identify it because it gives people a space. So when we're we're talking about marginalization, when we're talking about oppression at a larger level, often people feel distant from the current Western system. And what we've introduced is ideas and concepts that deal with bringing people closer and they could relate to, they could give tobacco, they could talk to elders, they could go to ceremonies, sweat, The list goes on and on. And that role and responsibility grows from those activities and their plan being one of those activities that you give back to the community. It's about empowering,
1: you know? Everyone can have an equal say in our organization, and we listen to everyone's opinions, and we give everyone a chance to speak their minds and make a contribution.
0: And again, thinking about the bigger picture, what kinds of changes do you think are needed at the community level to really start to get at the root causes of the various challenges that you see in your work with the Bear Clan?
3: Well, housing, employment, education, all those things that lend themselves to this idea of a long history of not being included in. Yeah. And I think that again, you know, suggests and gives you the idea that we can be involved in The systemic issues are called in nature.
1: Also, what we're doing is I'm actively doing references for people that are coming to work with us so that they can help get employment. You know, around the election time, we were hearing people towards ID clinics and things like that so they get proper IDs so that they contribute, you know, in the vote. There's so many different things that
0: we're doing, you know. Earlier in the interview, one of you talked about the Bear Clan as a way to do it for yourselves. Talk to me a little bit more about the importance of finding a model of addressing some of these challenges for yourselves, as opposed to approaches that might have engaged a little bit more directly with the state.
1: The bottom line is the police can't be everywhere, and we were finding that a lot of things were falling to the wayside and weren't being addressed. Like myself, I live right in the heart of the Dufferin community, and I have a crack deal that lives across the street from me. There is a John that lives next door to them. I have the girls working at the corner of my street. I see it every day when I get up. I see it every day when I go to work. I see it when I come home. You know, I see some of the same girls at 5 o'clock in the morning when I go to pick up my truck and they're still there when I come back at 5.30. You know, they're hardworking women out there, and they need some protection, and these are the things that we're trying to provide. And again, the police, they don't have time to be there going back and forth on the streets, so we take up that slack, and we're doing it ourselves.
3: If you look at it from, like, an indigenous perspective, it's a step forward in self-determining, self governing. We're, we're taking control of our lives, and we're not waiting for somebody to knock on the door and say, hey, we got this thing for you, let's try it out essentially what the community needs to do.
1: And again, we're unfunded. We're all volunteers here. This is something that we're doing because we feel it's the right thing to do. You know, we're not being pushed. We're not
0: being paid. What's coming up for the Bear Clan in the next while?
3: Well, we want to secure funding for some positions in Bear Clan. We want to make sure we're more part of the fabric of the broader community and, and promote the idea as much as we can. But again, what we've demonstrated is that it's possible. It's possible for these other communities that are requesting help and setting up their clients to do so, if they so want. So our goal is just to keep going forward, but resources are always questioned.
1: constant struggle. Yeah, we're
3: going to strive towards creating something that's really, really solid.
1: Also, we were meeting with the Justice Minister just before Christmas, and they're planning a sort of justice program in our community here. And we are a full-formed and functioning organization that can deal with some of the things that are going to be coming out of that, like restitution and fine option and things like that. People are going to be able to come and volunteer with the bear plan to work off their fines in the community. Again, that's part of our mandate is we want to see less people going to jail, less people going to hospital. So that's what we're out there doing. You know, if we can break up, you know, uh, domestic before the police have to be involved, you know, before that child crime services come and takes another child out of one of our homes, we want to be there to interrupt those systems that are predating on our families, destroying our families, taking them apart, you know?
0: So if there are people who are listening and are supportive of the work that you're doing, what would you say are some useful ways for folks to act in support outside of the immediate community?
1: Money. Money. We need money, man. We need support. We need more resources. We need more people. We need bodies. I want to talk a little bit about the messages that have been coming out of our community. Over the last 20 years, there's been a lot of negative messages coming out of our area. You know, there's crime ridden and the prostitution and the drugs and things like that. And, and now we have some positive things that we want to get put out there. And we're just hoping that that's properly conveyed, you know?
0: You have been listening to my interview with James Fable Larry Morissette, and Jesse Lee of the Bear Clan. To learn more about their work, Search for the Bear Clan on Facebook or Twitter. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter.